and welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It must be Thursday, June the 23rd. And we're a little bit late this morning because actually we've seen each other, Phil. We didn't see each other in the office today. We actually saw oh. each other just outside Cambridge, didn't we? We did. We've been on a visit together. <laughs> we've been on a visit. Go on, you better tell everyone who we visited. We uh, visited a company called Paragraph outside Cambridge, um, and they have advanced developing advanced semiconductor technology that's using graphene within the semiconductors to develop all sorts of devices that will be ultra, ultra low power um, and operate at ultra low temperatures, which opens up a good number of markets. Very exciting. It was exciting, actually, because uh graphene is something that uh, has been talked about to be honest with you for years and years and years and it's just never quite happened has it and i think one of the problems is the big silicon players don't necessarily want it to happen because they've you know tooled up and spent billions on their wafer fabs and things and if they then have to switch to graphene as well it's going to cost them so much money but we all know that graphene is a very very interesting material also pretty difficult to do because it's only one atom thick and atoms aren't very big um but i think this is this seems it's actually selling product which was really interesting you go to so many of these thing companies and they're just you know tech startups that um have got a great idea this one is selling product and it's selling into really interesting areas as well isn't it yeah it, it is um i mean one of the areas that they're in are, are, are what are called uh, hall sensors and sen these are sensors that use magnetic fields to detect movement so simple ones might be on a door detecting whether it's open and closed windows whether it's open and closed measuring rotation in your car and the engine you know rotational speeds so all sorts of things but theirs because they're ultra ultra sort of low power that they they operate on and can operate at very low temperatures as well they're used in all sorts of uh, very interesting scientific applications as well, where sensors can't can't commercially operate, and in scientific instruments, um, you know, things for drug discovery, for energy production, or types of applications that have never been there before for this type of sensor, but where there are definitely markets. Well, and for sort of diagnostics a bit, which did rather bring back thoughts of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, didn't it? But they seem to have actually got that pretty under control. Look, it's a really interesting company. It's got really interesting shareholders as well, because it's got um, Amadeus, which is Herman Hauser, who's in a lot of these Cambridge startups. It's got the old uh, um, Esprit, uh, they're now Molten, aren't they? They're called now, aren't they? Uh, yeah. It's got uh, Partwalk, which is part of IP Group. It's got all the right sort of shareholders. And it's actually raised probably over the years, you know, through various series seed and series A, about $100 million. Um, I mean, this is a company that, yeah, somebody's probably going to have a, a very good look at, somebody in the industry, because they are doing literally state-of-the-art stuff in an industry that needs to get going. Um, unfortunately, most people on this call can't invest into it. You can obviously get exposure to it by investing through IP Group. Um, but we also had an interesting conversation on, on private equity whilst we were there, because obviously they, they tend to fund through private equity. And I'm just going to have a little bit of a one minute rant here, Phil, as I often do on these podcasts. And that is that, in my view, so much money has gone into private equity. It is quite unbelievable. There is more money basically now in private equity than there are in all the stock markets around the world. It's it's overtaken stock markets as people just throw money at it. Um, it's completely unregulated. And it's, in my view, has become a bit of a Ponzi scheme. 
um, because what these private equity boys are doing is they get to the end of the 10 year fund and they then throw it into another thing called a continuation fund, which they own. And they don't they just keep marking the price up and they put it into the new fund at a much, much higher price. So they, they end up with millions themselves. And the poor old investor who thinks he's getting a great deal probably isn't because it's strange, isn't it? The way private equity valuations are still going up and yet stock market valuations are collapsing by about 50 percent. I mean, which is right, the stock market? or the private equity, because basically they're all the same businesses and these PE managers are no smarter than any other manager. They're just good at leverage and leverage is going against them now with interest rates going up. And in my view, there's going to be a massive collapse in private equity because just too much money has gone in trying to chase anything. And even at our meeting this morning, you know, uh, the CEO did say, he said, look, we can raise money because we're talking to funds. And they say we're loaded with cash. We've got to invest it so we can get a return. Um, yeah, just tell us how much you want. We'll give it to you. They don't even want to do DD. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Anyway, got that off my chest. Well, you, <laughs> yeah, you have. All right. Well, fair enough, Andrew. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll see. Let's let us see what happens. But uh, yeah, they are heavy investors in in technology, and uh, yeah, there's plenty of capital around from them for uh, for investment. But let's see. Well, and again, you know, you know, with leading edge technology, they won't all work. Um, and we've seen what happened to the SPAC market in NASDAQ. Look at things like Kazoo just absolutely collapsed. Um, private equity have been doing the same thing. They should have had the same effect, but they don't do it. Anyway, let's, let, I've made my rant. All right. If anybody wants to argue against me or agree with me, just DM me and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> But of course, one of the sectors, you know, we've got to mention this actually. I know we do most is transitional energy. Transitional energy has been absolutely clobbered in the stock market. Um, there was a couple of bits of news out from sort of a couple of uh, companies in the space, uh, certainly on Monday. AFC did this uh, um, a lease to Keir, the house builder, for um, a power tower for in the construction sites. Um, it wasn't a huge announcement but I mean it's interesting to see that AFC have, have, they were at about 90p 18 months ago they're now down at 24p. Um, Ilica likewise they put out an announcement talking about um, their six-month economic feasibility study uh, for the Goliath scale-up. Worth noting Ilica um, 18 months ago were trading at a nearly three pounds now down at 56p. What I'm really saying is that and if you look on the Nasdaq exactly the same as there a lot of people have been criticising us for our, our positive stance on Infinity Energy Systems, who have got figures they announced today, uh, figures next week. Uh, they did have to put out a second announcement saying they got the investor presentation wrong, which is a bit embarrassing. Uh, the date will be on the Wednesday, the analyst presentation on the Monday. Um, and yeah, that stock obviously also has been clobbered, but actually it's only been clobbered in line with the sector. There's actually nothing wrong with the company. Actually, the company's still got plenty of cash. You'll, you'll hear how much on, on Monday, so I'm not going to spoil the story because I'm not allowed to. That'll be inside information. Um, but they're not in a bad position at all. And, you know, actually, the market is coming to them. Uh, and I think we, we discussed the last time I was on this podcast. I can't remember. that. It, if you remember, you know, markets tend to uh, over-exaggerate in enthusiasm at the beginning. Uh, and then they realise, damn, it's not quite happening as quickly as we thought. And they then overestimate the downside and go to a valuation that's way too low. And then, of course, it all happens and the stock goes back up. It was classic. Arm did exactly the same thing. I remember Arm between 95 and 2000, it went ballistic. It got to a P of 500. Uh, the market was too enthusiastic. It thought it was all going to happen straight away. Didn't. Dot-com crash happened. 
stock price came flying back down. I remember buying stock at 40p. And but then, of course, over time, it performed fantastically. That's just markets for you. It is, and it's all about having good, good core technology. Now, also, yeah. So, going back a little bit, what I was saying also on this whole private equity thing, and um, and how you know the quoted private equity players actually do have to mark their valuations to sort of quoted levels because they're quoted. And actually, so we, we know that IP groups come down from 140 to sort of 70p, which in my view is absurd. But we also on Monday had a trading update update from Forward Partners. Um, and they, I don't know if you read that one, but they actually said in their trading up basically that, I'll just read this, since, that fe since their February update, there has been significant turmoil in the public markets. The ratings of fast growing listed technology stocks being particularly hard hit. And as widely reported, there continues to be significant uncertainty in the geopolitical and macroeconomic outlook. Furthermore, as investor confidence weakens, the company is seeing continued downward pressure on valuations and funding rounds, which are taking longer to close. The delay in funding rounds will result in the key portfolio companies moving from being valued with reference to the price of the last round of investments to being valued on a revenue multiple basis. Further, those multiples are calculated from the enterprise value of listed peers, which are trading at much lower levels than a year prior. As a result of that, they basically had to down reduce their, their market guidance. Why isn't private equity doing the same thing? Because that is basically private equity, but it has to be honest because it's quoted. No, absolutely right. I mean, I and I saw the uh, Molten, uh, the Molten Capital statement. I mean, they were Dre Press free, and they're pulling back the the level of funding. I think was uh, three hundred and ten million, and they're pulling it back to around, I think, memory, one hundred and fifty, one hundred and sixty million. But being more cautious on the way that they're funding, um, you know, because of markets. Yeah, interesting. I, I think it is. I mean, and it's amazing that it's, do you know, it's the asset allocators. They're the ones who throw all this pension fund money around and really don't have a clue half the time. Um, they are making a terrible mistake. Ah, I've done it again. I've said enough. Come on, move on. <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Phil? Right, I was, <laughs> okay, just quickly, just staying on the renewable energy, um, <laughs> renewable energy theme and investment. Uh, there was an announced, there's been an announcement out today, and uh, this was in Recharge News, about uh, Siemens Energy and Air Liquide have formed a JV uh, on industrial scale manufacturing of electrolyzers for green hydrogen, something that we've uh, we've covered widely. Um, and they're looking for production to begin in the second half of next year. So that's pretty, this is near term stuff. Uh, looking to achieve an output of three gigawatts. Uh, Siemens Energy got 75, just under 75% of the JV. But they're looking to, uh, as they say, surely produce a low cost scalable electrolyzers, uh, which will be needed for green hydrogen. So that was a very interesting announcement. And on the quoted side, talking funds, uh, Downing Renewable and Infrastructure Trust. Don't know if you've come across this before, known as DOR, the ticker's D-O-R-E. Their shares are up 13%, Andrew, this year. Um, and it's currently trading around 112p. Uh, this company in December had raised 137 million through placing, and it's announced this month that it was doing a further placing. Uh, and it's raised gross proceeds of 53, just under 53 million, um, which they say exceeded their target. And they're using these process, you know, they're putting these proceeds obviously into renewable assets. Um, and, you know, at December, they'd acquired hydro eight hydropower plants. 
um, but they'd also acquired 96 megawatts of uh, UK solar PV for 42 million. So, you know, look, those shares have been performing well, as had uh, one we talked about, which is the Gresham Storage Fund. So it's quite interesting that the funds themselves that hold these renewable assets are trading well. Uh, any, anybody who's got a stock or a, a, a quote that is up this year, well done you. You've done incredibly well. You get a gold star from me. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> there you go. So that's that's on renewables. Uh, let's just keep on back on the theme of uh, private equity, Andrew. Might as well mention this was uh, Oakley Capital. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you must have probably come out. It's OICI, I think is the ticket. The market cap on this is 646 million, but um, the net asset value, interestingly, look, look at their four year results, and NAV is 960 million. Um, the shares value in the company at 646 million. And they're down 14% year to date. And this is Oakley Capital. Uh, you know, this was the original home of Daisy Communications, business to business uh, communications. But they've just announced today that they've made a disposal, uh, a company called Fossil IT. It's an online price comparison platform. And they've disposed of that for 53 million uh, at 23% premium to its March carrying value. So there's an uplift on that. Um, and obviously that ups their cash levels and they're expecting cash of 200 million sat there to deploy. So there you go. So the other thing that's happened since our last podcast, probably Phil, this is completely left wing, but Bitcoin, of course, has completely collapsed. Um, and that has a potentially a bit of a knock on into the whole sort of tech world as it was deemed as a sort of a tech area. I mean, I think we've always been pretty cautious on Bitcoin. I like digital currencies because governments like it because then you can see where all the money is and it removes the black market. So I, I think digital currency is big, but I do think that cryptos are probably now certainly seeing their best. And I think that actually we will eventually see Bitcoin go even lower down to 10,000. Sorry, I just slipped that in. Oh, there's a there's a there's a big call for you. Yeah, they've been and they've been related to tech as well, Andrew, because of course Bitcoin mining uses Lozula as a computer servers and it's driven company, you know, it's helped companies in the server space and the chip space. So there's a there's a link in there. But yeah, let's see what that does. So there we go. And but quick before I forget, and I shouldn't really, and uh, this is uh, James Cropper. Uh, oh, CRPR is a ticker, 100 million market cap. And these guys are down 25% year to date. Now, this is a company that we've discussed before. In fact, we've uh, we've put research out on them before. Really interesting business. Why? Well, it's been the Copper family name for well over 100 years. And what does that mean? It means a business that can adapt to the times and survive and thrive. It's got real, real history there. Uh, and they had their, their, their full year results um to i think it's march of uh 220 and this company you gotta remember that during the downturn but quite a proportion of the turnover is in it specializes in paper and it specializes in in fiber fiber technology so anything that's kind of fiber related which of course paper is um but they got uh, you know their, their results got hit uh, impacted by by co by covid and end markets uh, but their four-year results show that their, their revenue had uh, gone up from about 79 million to 105 million. So revenue uh, recovering very strongly, um, and the profits, uh, adjusted profits, were flat. Um, but the prior year had, in, had included uh, 2.9 million of COVID uh, grants. So the profits were flat at 4 million, but the prior year had the 2.9 million in. So quite a leap up in profit. So what we call operating leverage as the you know revenue recovers. What's what was interesting about this story, and we know the company well, 
is the paper segment, which is the, the, the big chunk of revenue, they had seen quite a leap up in energy costs by four million pounds. So you can see the impact that had on profit. And so they're working very hard in terms of, of the manufacturing techniques that they're using, the, the machinery that they're using, increasing use of renewable, well, they use all renewable energy, but it's still, they, they've been impacted by electricity prices. So they're working to on that. So that should improve profit in the paper side of the business and the papers used for packaging and art and design, highly specialized paper, this stuff. Um, the second division they have is color form, and that's specialist packaging for fragrances and beauty. So it's all kind of high value add. Uh, and on that business, they got from a small loss last year back into a profit of about 0.2 million EBITDA this year. The exciting bit, why we discuss this business in particular, is in its um, technical fibres division, which is composite materials, particularly gas diffusion membranes for fuel cells, for instance. Um, and they have something like 50% of the fuel cell market, apparently. This business saw its revenue up 27% to 31 million, and an EBITDA of 10 million, and a profit of 9 million, and that was up from a profit of just under 7 million in the prior year. So going great guns, and a very interesting, you know, and that as a whole makes this business very interesting to watch. We're rather impressed by Phil Wilde, the CEO. He's, he's rather good, isn't he? Sorry, they also recycle all the McDonald's cups and things, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, so the so the uh, the paper business, the packaging side uh, side of it, they've got yeah, it's a big side of it. So a lot of the end paper they produce is all made from yeah, it's recycled coffee cups. So there's that angle to it. But I think I've seen an email for you're taking me up to the Lake District, aren't you? To visit them in in August for my summer holiday. Yes, we are, Andrew. I think it's very important you get another day out. Today was a trans fan over to Cambridge, but uh, yes, we're going up to the lakes. People will start talking. Uh, <laughs> couple of little snippets I saw. One, one is one that we've we've talked occasionally about, rather rather negatively. I'm afraid there's nothing wrong. The product's quite interesting, but it's just it was completely wrongly valued. Going nowhere. Xerus Technologies. They make uh, clean washing machines. They had some figures this week. They did admit they hadn't got enough money to keep going. They were looking for sources of funding. Interesting right. enough today, it's it's sort of done a dead dog bounce and was, is up 36% as we talk. But I'm afraid the stock price has totally collapsed. Um, they need a partner to come and save them desperately. Uh, one other little snippet, a bit like James Cropper was in our picks and shovels list. Uh, Pressure Technologies that we also like. I've got figures next week uh, on June the 28th. Uh, if anybody wants to... Um, hear from them at all we'll obviously talk about next week but let us know if you need a, a chat with the management or anything like that uh, and actually i've got to mention two other little snippets whilst whilst i'm doing the talking uh we saw this week sam smith ceo of fincap resigning after 24 years uh all this is going to remain as an advisor i have a lot of time for sam she actually uh was a very smart woman she did fantastically at fincap different model to ours uh, but she was very successful and really did well for women in the city so big tick in the box for sam smith and also, whilst I'm talking and rabbiting on about things that really have nothing to do with technical transition or energy, uh, don't forget your paper £10 notes and £20 notes uh, at the end of September will no longer be legal tender. So if you've got any stuffed under the sofa trying to avoid putting them in the stock market, you thought, I oh, know, I'll put them under the sofa instead. Go and hoik them out and turn them into plastic ones. Oh, I never knew that. I've just looked in my wallet. But I think these are all plastic. Otherwise, I could treat you, Andrew. Yeah, these are well, plastic ones. I, I guess you only found £10 notes in your wallet, Phil. You wouldn't have found 20s. <laughs> <laughs> 
what can I say? Moving on no, swiftly. <laughs> not a lot. Yeah, move on swiftly. Come on, what else you got? Uh, Volex, uh, VLX, uh, 380 million market cap. Um, shares are down 35% this year. Well, let's have a look at uh, have a look at Volex. Uh, it's very well known for uh, it's in the electronic sector. Uh, specializes in um, connectors and connecting technology and cabling technology. Uh, it's in all sorts of areas, uh, consumer electricals, for instance, but very kind of more, more high margin and difficult space technically. It's in the medical markets uh, and excitingly in electric vehicles, because of course there's lots of power flowing around, needs to be very, very carefully managed. Um, are cabled and directed to components in the electric vehicles. And uh, so look at their full year numbers to April. Their revenue was up uh, by 39%, but they've made acquisitions. So I'm not a time to look at the carve out on that. Um, but more importantly, I was just kind of looking at the drop through to its profits. Its profits dropped by 24% to $51 million on revenue of $615 million. Um, and its uh, profit before tax was up 23% to $36 million, um, but it had made acquisitions. Uh, so its net debt increased from $7 million to $74 million, but they've pointed out that that's uh, net debt to EBITDA ratio is 1.3 times. So that's all right and is covered. Um, I was quite interested in this one. Obviously, they're using a lot of copper. They're moving lots of bits around the world. So, you know, they've got inflation, they've got logistics issues and challenges, and yet it looks like they've been able to uh, achieve pretty decent underlying growth. And they've said that they've seen a good strong start to their financial year. Um, and to my mind, you know, given we're going to a softer um, market, you know, economic environment, so the EV sales related, uh, you know, products into the EV markets more than doubled. Uh, to nearly $100 million out of that $600 million of revenue. Uh, and even in the consumer space, you know, sales are growing by 14% and medical. So there's an element, you know, with the medical, in particular an EV, of, of more defensiveness in the business. Um, but one that's certainly seen a soft share price after a good run over time. And they put the divvy up as well by 9%. So one to watch as we go through the cycle because it will be one that will bounce back i would suspect quite strongly as we uh, come up the other end of things it talks about dividends it's Yee. a really interesting point actually then because you know what i don't know if it's some there's a lot of stocks in this market and i'm not just talking tech and transit in general that have been hit absolutely horrendously because of this recent collapse the yield on them has just become huge i mean the yield on the market is now in general, looking pretty damn attractive, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm not as bearish on the market, actually, as some people. I sort of almost think it's almost all priced in. There's a lot of M&A activity creeping up. Um, anyway, that's a, a slight red herring. I think, you know, prices can never be low enough for a bear market operator. Likewise, prices can never be high enough for a bull market operator. Um, but my feeling is now that prices are actually starting to look pretty low and there's going to be a lot of bid activity. Interesting enough, I had two two companies ring me this week. Of course, you can't say who. And they said, Andrew, we've got to get our share price up somehow because people are sniffing around. And I know I'm going to get a bid approach, but I don't want a bid approach at this level because it's absurdly cheap. How do we get things up? Uh, and I think we are in that territory. It is. It yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? I'll tell you what else as well is different on this, because, you know, you, you went through the dot-com crash and the Lehman's crash and so did I. It's like 
these companies are an awful lot fitter because of what they've been through in COVID, you know, in terms of the way they're managing their logistics, they're managing their pricing. So again, as, as we come out of this, there's a sort of leverage on all of that as well. It's, it is very interesting. And on the subject of M&A, uh, this is a company I was involved in listing of this years ago, Oximetrics. The ticket is uh, OMG. Not as you know, my God, it's uh, OMG. And the market cap's 134 million. Uh, they've got software that does motion capture. So you might have seen the original making of like Star Wars films or Titanic. We've got actors wandering around with sort of basically ping pong balls stuck to them in front of very, very special cameras. And this is what these guys produce, the software that does this. It's called motion capture. So it's where you capture human human motion and you digitize it and you can computer model it. Um, and OMG now has, by God, it's grown. It's 10,000 customers, 70 countries, uh, used by games companies, of course. All those gaming characters, human characters, why do they move so naturally? Because you know the software was originally done using motion capture. Universities, um, hospitals, particularly for like physical gate, and it's like MIT and NASA. Anyway, I'm blabbering on here. Uh, they've just had their first half results, and they their shares were down by 7% year to date, but they had a hell of a bounce in May. Why was that? Well, they made a disposal of their yacht, what they call their yachter division, for consideration of 52 million pounds which leaves them with NCash of £68 million to deploy on M&A. And looking at the rump of the business has left, the core revenue, they said, was £12.5 million for the interims, not 11.8%. It's on the motion capture stuff. Um, and they adjusted profits more or less flat. But what's, what's interesting about this one now is the optionality in the cash that they have. The firepower it gives them for M&A, and of course, in a market where pricing may very much be in their favour. That does sound pretty smart, I must admit. And uh, it now explains why you wander around with a ping pong ball on top of your head in the office, Phil. Um, yeah, interesting. We should, we should maybe get them in and have a look. Uh, anything else you want to say? Or should we wrap it up there? That is me done. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's enough. Uh, as we always say, if anybody wants to uh, comment on what we've said, please let us know. If anybody wants us to discuss something in particular, please let us know. If anybody wants to send their old uh, paper £10 and £20 notes into us because they think that it's already happened, we'll, we'll take them and we'll run down to the bank and keep the money ourselves. Uh, on that note, though, uh, we'll speak to you all next week. Look forward to that, Andrew.